Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, life deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at AllTheLeads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome, dynamic realtors and investors nationwide. Today is Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Before we get started today, guys, we got a full queue, so we can get right to the callers, but we do have an announcement to make. Pretty exciting announcement, I think. We, six, seven years ago now, when we started this company, we, we decided we didn't want to just be a data company. We can just sell you data, but if we don't give you the training and the tools to make sure you're successful with the data, you're, you aren't going to reach your potential if you're successful at all. So we really tried to make this a systems company, and we get great feedback with our training. We've got an awesome full-time coach, Bruce. We've These role-play calls, we get a lot of good feedback. We've gotten particularly good feedback on the role-play calls, which we've been doing the first Wednesday of every month. And We've gotten such good feedback with them that we decided to discontinue them. Bruce? That's right. We're coming up with a much enhanced program, and I wanted Bruce just to take a a brief minute and tell you what we're going to – and this is going to start with the first Wednesday in in March, coming up a week from next Wednesday. The new program is going to start. And Bruce, you want to just give him a real quick summary? Yeah, a real a real quick summary needs to start with why. So many of our subscribers that are taking advantage of a monthly call with me, um, a lot of times what what's happening is I'm running over a lot of these foundational trainings that are that they need to make them successful. But sometimes it's four or five months before we can roll everything out. So we've decided to pack all those foundational pieces, including lots and lots of role play into into Wednesday calls. So you don't have to wait a month between role play calls. And you also don't have to wait a month in between having a coaching session with me. So they're going to be group. We're going to be teaching you guys all about team building, all about uh, marketing to probate leads, and a whole lot about probate dialogue. I don't want to call them scripts, even though there are some scripts, but but dialogue. We're just teaching all the foundations that you need to be successful. And you are pretty much going to be able to get in on one of those classes every week. Awesome. Great improvement. And before you guys, I told the sales team about this about 10 minutes ago, so they have no details. (laughs) We are going to, there will be a post at our website and each and every one of you will be getting an email. We're going to do a system-wide email blast to completely explain the program and and that'll be out well before the first call. So I'm not saying don't call our sales team, you're you're welcome to, but they don't have the details yet, but we'll make sure we get you all the details well in advance of the first Wednesday of of next month. So we're real excited about that, guys. We feel like it's a significant upgrade to what we've been doing and uh, that's all I got to say about that we've got a full queue Tim are you back do you want to add anything or I'm not sure he's back I'm trying to log back okay anything you want to add to what you may not have heard what we said yeah I did I was right back in there so the only only thing I don't want to add is to just make sure that everyone is well aware that we continue to refine what we're offering and every time we do it with the eye to improving it and improving your success and all of that and we've been really diligently working on making sure that we're adding data and adding content and all that sort of stuff so that what you end up with is even more and more value for the investment you make, not only in 
the leads that you get. But we know that you're here because we provide you with a system and we're just increasing the value of the system. We intend to do that as we go forward. And that's why we do a mailing, mailings and websites and ISA programs and training and shower you with as much as we can possibly give you to make you be successful. So we do it because we appreciate you. And we're trying to make sure that we're diligent stewards of our role in the industry and hopefully our role in your lives. So thank you for being here. And thanks, Bruce, for taking the lead to make this thing move forward. Thank you. That is awesome said, guys. And we have got a full queue. So let's jump right in. First up this week is phone number ending in 1495. You're up first. David, are you there? 1495. Hit the unmute button, David. There you go. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good. Yeah, I've got a point with Natalie tomorrow, so I'll be getting geared up. Question. Had an expired call this morning, and the guy, the, the, the POC, was, was actually a lawyer. And long story short, got into him looking. He, as a hobby, he was trying to see if he could monetize illegal title theft. And basically, he said he found he was he found a niche where he was he's looking through quick claim deeds that were fraudulent, and of course, trying to figure out how criminals were deciding on what properties to target this, that, and the other. Long story short, him being a criminal lawyer, I did ask him the question of how I could bring him value, and he said, "Really, there's not anything you can do for me. I don't really need any help." I did ask him if there were other lawyers that did probate. First, I asked him that. And he, he said, yes, the guy was just amazingly receptive. I was like, is this guy fixing to do something to me? Or I just couldn't believe how congenial and everything he was. And so the gist of it is that is there anything that can be offered via the whole title theft thing when we start, when I start talking to these probate leads? Because he said it's a really, it's beginning to get it to become a very big deal. So I think that the the biggest thing that maybe you're going to need to sit down and map out a little bit before you just immediately start offering this up, but there are a lot of different pain points that your probate leads and your personal representatives are not aware that they are going to experience. And a lot of times they're in a pain point that uh, they're experiencing a pain or a frustration that they think is completely normal so that they might not know that it's a pain until they they see an alternative. I I think you just need to sit down and uh, map out what that title theft, what some of that might look like, and just use it in your dialogue and your conversations to bring up as something that they didn't even know existed. And ultimately, you're taking them down this path of path of pain and what it might mean for them if somebody did steal their title. I have no idea how popular it is. This is the first time I've heard anyone really bring it up. It's hard for me personally to give you give you advice on how to bring it up to a PR. I would just have further conversation and dialogue with this attorney to come up with that. But but ultimately you probably once you have an under a greater understanding of that, you probably should start to include it in your conversations when you're calling your probate leads and and just ask them if they've uh, if anyone's ever brought up the the fact that there's some fraud going on. If anyone's ever brought up how how they might get taken advantage of, and if they say no, you simply make a point and then ask them after the point what it would mean to them or how damaging it would be if that happened. And it just further enhances the call and the value that you're bringing to the leads. I don't really have any other 
answer at this point until I dig into it and maybe start to think about what that conversation <laughs> yeah. might be like. But I, I, think, yeah, I think you're Dave, potentially onto something. Yeah, David, the, the first thing I thought when you mentioned it, and I don't know this to be true or not, but I suspect it's probably less than 1% of the probates have, you know, somebody tried to steal the title. I, as Bruce was talking, it occurred to me that I don't think I would mention it if they already have an attorney, because the the last thing you want is them calling their attorney and saying, hey, this realtor said you should look into, you, you might be making more work for your attorney. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want them calling the attorney and saying, hey, is this a problem? Could you check into it for me? It, if it were me, I would probably... If you're going to mention that, if you notice the people that are doing it pro se that don't have an attorney, you might want to say, hey, there's a lot of reasons you need an attorney. Matter of fact, I was just talking to an attorney the other day that says this title theft is not uncommon. It might be an opportunity to refer business to them. I'm not sure if I would just routinely mention it to someone that already has an attorney. Do you, do you agree, Bruce, or not? I agree. We don't want to get into great detail on this. The, the more detailed you yeah. get, the more desperate it sounds. So I would roll back the actual description of, of how they might get taken advantage of and just make a blanket statement that I, I, I find a lot of personal representatives and families who've inherited property just don't want to be taken advantage of. Does that make sense? So now you're categorically getting a, a yes. And if they want to know, like details, then you can start to go through details. Yeah, I like that. It could be taken advantage of by an unscrupulous contractor or a state sale company or realtor. That's much more generic. I like that. I like the way that sounds. Go ahead, David. You had a follow-up question? Yeah. Just the reason why I asked the question, it was just the oddest. It was a great conversation, but it was this oddest thing that he transferred into that because I actually mm-hmm. had a construction customer about three months ago that she did have some ID theft. And I suggested that she get title theft insurance just as a precaution, and she was ecstatic. If anything, it just brought her that that brought her peace of mind among everything else. So it was just a very odd coincidence today. The the one sure. last question that I've got is that regarding the letters, has anybody had success with? I've got a, a very industrious wife and a couple of middle school kids. Is can the letters be handled that way while I absorb the initial investment of the leads? I'll sure. I'll give you a brief pro and con. Obviously, if you're absorbing absorbing costs and you're trying to stay in the program longer and and get yourself absolutely, and I've done it before. The issue that personally I ran into is people quit or they fall behind on schedules. And then you're left scrambling without any marketing going out. So if it's a Band-Aid or a bridge to getting to to profitability, it's not a terrible idea. But uh, I, it's hard to hire and it's hard to keep even family members on top of the mail schedule that you're going to want if you're going to be successful. So just keep okay. that in mind. Certainly, okay. we're not blaming you if you're strapped on budget and you need to fulfill some of your own mail for a little bit. Well, and also, David, I go ahead. Sorry. It, it's just initial startup. And like I said, I just, uh, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Just, I'm being quite frank with you. This is just a totally new area. So just, there you go. Well, what you're, the, go ahead, Jim. No, no, please. I'll, I'll wait till you guys are both what, done. Go ahead, Bruce. What you're, what you're doing, David, is, is, is a pretty common question. And personally, I really can't blame you for having that question or anyone because I've done it as well. 
It's just a, a more unpredictable marketing schedule. So I'm going to encourage you uh, that if you're going to do that, use it more as a bridge and then eventually get your profitability up and get to the point where you can systemize it and not have to put that on yourself or your family. Got it. Okay, yep. thank you. The only other thing I was going to add, David, and this is very, this is really obvious, but sometimes it's easy to overlook it. When, you, when you're making the comparison, make sure you factor in all the costs. The, the ink on your printer, the paper, the envelopes, and then determine if the difference is worth your time or not. If your kids are working for free, it might be. <laughs> if, you're, if your wife's got nothing to do, it, it, it's probably pretty close, though, to being break-even. If you paid a minimum wage, you're probably going to be break-even to let us do it for you. Yeah. But there are certainly okay. people to do it, though. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Next up in the queue is phone number ending in 8213. We got a, a frequent flyer. How you doing, Sal? I'm well. How are you? Good, buddy. What's up? I just have a follow-up question uh, for something I asked last week. So it was regarding the win. The win was that I scheduled an appointment with a PR who didn't have an attorney. I was supposed to meet with her this past Saturday. I followed up with her a few times prior to the Saturday appointment. And then finally Saturday, just I saw she wasn't getting back to voicemails. So I decided to text her and confirm that appointment. And then she said, hey, look, we're going to have to reschedule, but tell me more about your services. Send me something about what you provide and all that stuff. So it's almost as if, although on our initial call, she understood what the value that was being uh, offered was, and then it's almost as if she, it, she regressed. She's not being very responsive at the moment. I sent her an email with a copy of the letter that was sent out through you guys, and then briefly summarized in the body of the text just how I got her number and why she was contacted and so forth. She didn't respond to that and has not been responding. So I'm just trying to maybe strategize on the best way to continue staying in front of her without being the aggressive slash what could come off as suspicious person that she doesn't know who's contacting her. Does yeah. that make sense? So, Fed, first thing that I'm going to address is how to, how to present yourself in the future to future people, and then we'll circle back on what you might be okay. able to do with this individual lead. In the future, if I'm setting an appointment, I want to, before I let them go, I really want to clearly define so that there's no ambiguity or wonderment on their end what it is that meeting is going to be all about. A lot of times I like to describe this in a really low pressure way. So I'll say something like, just so we're on the same page and know what our meeting is about. Uh, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick walk through the property. I'm going to uh, probably make a list of several things that you could be um, doing and in what order you should be doing them. I'll get an idea of what your potential value is if and when you ever decided um, to sell. And, and then I'll give you a couple of things that I could just take off of your plate. I'm not going to ask you to sign anything. I'm not going to try to pressure you into a sale. It should be about a 30-minute appointment or just name the time. And, and then at the end, you can decide if we should take it a step further. Now, okay. that person, that they know exactly what you're doing. They know that you're not there to give them a hard sales pitch. Now, when I do show up, I usually give them the option 
of going ahead and signing something, say, hey, just so you know, I every now and then I come out thinking that, that somebody's not going to be ready to do business, and they tell me that they're ready to list a house. So I did bring a letter of intent. If at some point during our conversation you want to just skip all the formalities and the discussion and the questions, you just tell me, give me that thing, and I'll and we'll sign. We'll get you listed. But that's not what I'm here for. And so that's just one technique of a way to remove the pressure because what she is saying to you is basically, I think you're coming out here to sell me on something and I don't want to be sold because she yeah. has one idea in mind and you have another. Yeah. And, and said, it's yeah, really hard to go backward. Sorry, Fed. Yeah, it was definitely strange because obviously with during that call, I noticed she didn't have an attorney. So I focused the the core of the call that we had on, do you need any, we're here to, we try to reach out as soon as possible because we know that the probate process can be pretty extensive and complex. And asked her if she had an attorney, she said no and asked for some recommendations. So I went ahead and asked her about that and the vacant home insurance policy. Once she said she didn't have either of those and wanted some assistance with that, I said, I'll have attorney give you a call. She She's worked with many families that have gone through the probate process. They, they're very happy with her. And then I'll have, for example, Bruce Hill call you to, to discuss the home insurance policy. Obviously, feel free to, to work with whomever you want, whoever you feel most comfortable with. And so then we set up that appointment. And then I said, if anything changes, uh, feel free to give me a call and we can take it from there. So I, I thought I wasn't as pushy as I probably came off. So I, I you I were pushy. Okay. If what you just said is what you did, then that doesn't mm-hmm. come off as pushy, but it comes off as mm-hmm. ambiguous. She didn't Got know okay. what your meeting was about. And any time yeah. that you have an unknown, you're going to start to develop some suspicion out of those questions. <laughs> okay. um, you didn't define clearly enough, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you didn't define clearly enough what you were going to be meeting her about. Yeah, I think I should have clarified, like you said, just to say, hey, just so that there's no misunderstandings, I'm going to be coming over to do this, that with no obligation. I just briefly stated, I'd love to meet with you at the property so that we can understand and discuss what options are available to you, whether if for whatever you'd like to do, whether it's sell the property, keep the property or lease the property. So I gave her those three items just to make her understand that the option is yours. But perhaps That's good. with everything that we discussed, I should have perhaps re-clarified prior to hanging up. Yep. I would have defined a time and a couple of agenda items in, uh, in addition to what you gave. Okay. That makes with sense. those three options, I think those were perfect. She's still expecting you to come out and ask her to sign one on one of three different options. And I know you, you what you said was not um, full of pressure. And I don't want to propose that you don't ever want to put more pressure on someone. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. saying with this woman, I, I think that she was just had too many questions at the end of it. And her mind started okay. running and she started thinking, I'm about to get a sales pitch and be asked to sign. And I don't want to do that. Fair enough. That, that, that's fair. So what I did yesterday, just because I hadn't heard back from her, this the meeting was supposed to take place Saturday. And she canceled on Saturday about an hour before. So what I did is I sent her that letter as she asked. And then yesterday, I just followed up with a text saying, hey, good morning. 
were you able to uh, speak with the insurance specialist or an insurance specialist of your choice to make sure that the asset is protected? It was just a way to stay in front of her. So I'm just trying to, but obviously no answer there as well. So I'm just trying to maybe, do, do you think I back off for a little bit and then touch base again, maybe in a week-ish or so, maybe even a few weeks, unless she reaches out? Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't let it go a few weeks, but I would touch okay. base in a week. I would lay off instead of going daily or every other day. I might go with her. Okay. There is a possibility that she's pumping the brakes because she has had a conversation with someone else. So don't let it go a few weeks, but maybe a week. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah, I just mainly wanted to keep you guys updated since I came no. at it last week with, hey, it's a win. It's an almost win. It still might be one. <laughs> one one thing I one thing I was going to add, Fed, is that buyer's remorse is so common. It really is. You're on the phone. You did a good job of closing them, and then they hang up and say, oh, my God, what did I do? And you, you remember the old axiom, the best way to handle an objection is deal with it before it ever comes up? If you ever yeah. get somebody on the phone, if you get somebody on the phone and you sense that they're going to change their mind, you could even prep them, say something like, hey, I really appreciate your confidence. Now, you may wake up tomorrow morning and say, oh, my God, what did I do? Why is he coming over and want to cancel? And just remember, when I come over, there's no pressure. I'm just coming over to give you some options, and it's okay if you're not ready to do anything. So pre, if you pre-warn them that they might have that feeling and how to react yeah. to it, when it comes up, they may be a little less likely to actually go through with canceling. Just and, and you might even want to leave a message like that now. I don't know what Bruce thinks. I'm I'm not a, usually a fan of lo, of long voicemails, but you might want to leave a long voicemail. Hey, when I was speaking to you, you sounded like you're ready to go, and I guess I must have pushed you too hard. I I just want to call and remind you that there's no pressure when we get together. It, it's okay. Let me just show you what I can do, and I don't really expect you to sign anything. Leave leave let her off the hook, so maybe she'll reengage. Bruce, you had something to add? I love it. I love it. No, I was just. That's what great. you said. I'm going to do that. I really appreciate that. I'll do that. I'll do that uh, either today or tomorrow. Probably Perfect. Today. Thank you. And <laughs> come back that. next week. And come back next week and reshare the win with us. We could, it'll be a repeat win. <laughs> How's that? All right, buddy. All right. Thank you, Ben. Next up is phone number ending in 0033. You're up next. Are you there? Unmute us. Lakeisha. It looks like it's Lakeisha. 0033. Hit the unmute button in New York. Are you there? All right. Going, Lakeisha. Going. We're going to have to move on, but you have us muted out, so please hit hit star six and hit one, and you can jump back in the queue. Bruce, you can still hear me, correct? Yes, I can. Okay, good. I want to make sure it wasn't me that was muted out. Lakeisha, are you there? All right. Let's move on. Next up is phone number ending in 8066. You're up next. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Thankfully, we can. Excellent. (laughs) Hi. My name is Beth. I'm in New York. And just a quick question about the posting for vacancies. So I was speaking with somebody about the insurance. They got that. They were very appreciative. And I said, listen, we want to make sure you don't get any squatters. And we would recommend that you put some signs up just to notify that that you can't enter the property. They thought that would be like a a green light for somebody if they saw that, that they would absolutely know the house was vacant and that would open them up to more opportunity for theft and that sort of thing. And honestly, I I struggled to have a good, a good response to their concern. So that's what I'm getting some feedback on from you guys. I'm going to say 
use that as an opportunity to build rapport. We are not legal counsel to these people. We're not coming through and saying, hey, because I'm an attorney, I'm telling you, you need to do this. We're simply offering options and solutions. And if somebody is not willing to accept or plays, not just playing devil's advocate, it sounds to me like they were rejecting the idea for themselves. I've done my job. I provided uh, a valuable option for them. And I'm just going to say, hey, that's great. I've run into that a few times, and I completely understand. I think I would probably put a a no trespassing sign on my house if I was in that scenario. But if you don't want to, you're not going to get an argument from me. Now, if you don't mind if I ask you, and then just go on to something else. I don't want to give you a rebuttal because a rebuttal, no matter how good it is, all it's going to prove to them is that you're a better arguer than they are. It doesn't win you any points. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Everybody has a different whatever. Yes, I get it. Thank you. That's said because I totally, personally, I disagree with the premise because people, no soliciting, no trespassing. It doesn't mean somebody doesn't live there. But if that's their perception, I I agree with Bruce. You're not going to change your mind. And so I, I think you'll get that response maybe one in a thousand times. That's a pretty unusual response to that. So that's a good, that's a great answer, though. I agree. And it also okay, shows great. you're allowing them to be right, too. People love to be right. Mm. And uh, you might even say, hey, that's a great point. <laughs> you're not completely, or that's an interesting way of looking at it, or <laughs> however you however you want to phrase it. Just acknowledge their, like Bruce said, acknowledge their objection and validate it rather than arguing with them. That's a good, good way to handle it. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank, thank you. you. We only have two two more in the queue, guys. We got another uh Half hour to go, so don't be shy. Hit star six at one and jump in. We got plenty of the water's fine, plenty of room for more. Next up is phone number ending in six three eight eight. You're up next. Hi, this is Ron out in Arizona. Hi. I got on the call just a couple minutes late and heard the tail end of that title theft during probate thing. And that's not what my question is about. I just want to say I thought that was really interesting and I want to hear more about that at, at some point. Here's my question is I have been getting leads for one county. I just recently ordered leads for a county near me that only releases leads after probate is closed. How does the marketing to to those leads change from normal marketing? Jim, you got anything? Are you, I suspect, are you in Colorado, Mike? Ron, and I'm in Arizona. There's at least one. You just said that. Your phone number said Michael. Sorry about that. Yeah, because we have, that's a common question. In Colorado, they delay the release of leads until the probate's completed. So one of the counties, let me understand, one of the counties that you've had, you're getting the probate data up front, and the other one, you're not getting it until the probate's completed? Correct. There's two things you could do. You could do probate plus on that county and see and only market to the people that still have real estate. Or you could just, when you are, my guess, and, and, and you tell me, when you're, have you started calling these people? Do you have a sense of what percentage no. of them are finished? Okay. Yeah. My, my guess is that maybe 30% of them, 30 to you know, 25 to 40% of them probably are still going to be available, and maybe a little more than half of them are going to be sold. You may just want to start. You might want to put something, use like our, we have a six-month letter that we send out instead of an initial letter that says, hey, it's been six months since you filed the probate. You may be sold by now, but if you're not, the process is completed and this would be a great time to get the place on the market. You might want to modify your letter a little bit 
And you also might want to modify your calls to say, hey, I know in your market, I just got your information. It doesn't get filed till the probate's completed. Do you still have property to sell? You might just start off with that question so you don't uh, waste their time or yours. If you got probate plus, you would know that they still had property to sell. If you don't, you could accomplish the same thing on your first phone call. Okay. Anything to add, Bruce? Yeah, I, I think it's pro- there's probably still more real estate in there than even what Jim just said. I'm speculating. Every state has a different speed of their process, but I just ran Probate Plus on a list of mine from a year ago, and there was still 50% of the of the leads still oh. to this day have oh. real estate a year later. I think part of that is COVID. I'm just um, speculating. But uh, you're probably dealing with a lot of people that still have real estate. I think that COVID slowed it down a little bit. I would go more direct. Normally, if you're mailing someone or calling someone that uh, just lost a loved one a month ago and they literally just started probate, you're going to be a lot more empathetic in the beginning on some of these leads where their family member may have passed away a year ago you have a little bit more latitude on getting straight to the point. Let them know that you understand the experience that they're going through. So your letter might say, hey, I realize it's been a little while and you might not have real estate anymore and you might have done all this, but here are two or three of the things that I can help with. And of course, I also help with real estate sales, either by purchase. I'm not, Ron, I'm not 100% sure if you're an agent or investor, and I'm pretty sure we've talked before both. Okay. And if you are thinking about selling uh, real estate, one of the biggest fears that I run into with people is that they just don't want to be taken advantage of. And I promise I'm in it to uh, benefit you first and feed my family second. Call me at this number. And so you're okay. just going a lot shorter with that letter. And you can modify the, our letters to cut them down. I'm just going to be more direct with people who've been through a six to 12-month probate process before I get their leads. A, a lot more direct, tell them what I want, what I offer, and uh, leave some of that paragraph-long empathy out, or at least cut it down a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so and just to add to what Bruce... Add to what Bruce said, I agree with him. I was giving you my stats and maybe Colorado's. In my market, I work one to two-year-old leads, and generally anywhere from 20 to 40% of them are still available. But a lot depends on what's that. Sorry, he's he's Arizona. I know the county that he's in. There's at least one or two counties in Arizona that that delay their data as well. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that's that's a very valid point that it does vary greatly from from state to state. I will tell you the nice thing, though, is by the time the process is completed, chances are you got very little competition. And if they haven't done something by that point, they're probably, you know, more than ready to. And then you had a follow up question, Ron? Yeah, basically what you're saying is I make the phone call and I say, or, or in the letter, say, here's some things that we can help with, and I understand people just don't want to be taken advantage of. We, Our commitment is to you first, and I feed my family second. Is that basically the idea? Yeah, it's one of the uh, one of the areas that I go, especially um, if I'm going to use language about being taken advantage of. I'm uh-huh. typically going to tell them philosophically who I look out for first. And if you're going to – and when one of the big things – and this – we're not going to role play this right now, but this is a really big thing. A lot of our subscribers, and so I'm going to use this as a quick opportunity to educate those who are prospecting probate. A lot of times we err on the side of 
telling someone all the things that we're going to do for them without ever describing a single thing that we get in return or a single way that we benefit. And, and, and I run into day in and day out coaching folks that they're losing the trust of their, the lead that they're prospecting. And it's because yeah. we spend all this time saying, I'm going to do this for you and this and this. And the person says, how much do you make? And we go, I don't make anything. That's a flat out lie. So if you're going to point out all the benefits that you're going to give someone, you might as well point out that you get a little bit of a benefit too. And I like to refer to that as how I put food on my table, how I feed my family. Because everybody knows you've got to feed your family or put food on your table. So when I reference my benefit, I don't talk about commission. I don't talk about fees. I talk about feeding my family or putting food on my table. So if you're going to talk about the benefit and the fact that you're not going to take advantage of them, you might as well also mention the fact that you're putting food on your table by helping them with real estate. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you. All right. We appreciate it, sir. We only have one more person in the queue, guys, and we got another 19 minutes. So we hop in there. Don't wait until three minutes of and get shut out. Hit star six and hit one. In the meantime, next up is Mike, phone number ending in 6231. I think I was looking ahead to you, Mike. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, buddy. How about you? I got two questions. One is a really easy one. I'm going to be sending my first email out and to a person who I've not been able to reach, who has not called me from my mailing yet. So what's a good subject line? That will get open. Hey, Mike, can you make sure that your speaker or your mic is a little bit closer to your face? Okay. I was able to hear you, so just in case you guys didn't. Yeah, I think it's a little bit better. You all didn't? Yeah, much better. Okay, yeah. So my question was, what's a good subject line to send to somebody who may or may not have received your letter and you've never communicated with, but you have their email? We haven't tested email subject lines a lot. But there's really two different ways of thinking about it. And Mike, you and I talked in the last week about different personality types. And some personality types are going to respond to a copy, a professional copywritten look, and some are going to respond better to a empathetic approach that sounds more natural. So I would probably do both. Maybe not back-to-back in the same day or the same week, but I would go with something that's copywritten, three mistakes that three mistakes that most per- personal re- representatives make that add stress. Now, that might be one. Then another one that's a little bit more personal is I was wondering if I could help you with probate. Gosh, Jim, you can chime in here. I'm just thinking of... came to my mind. And by the way, that is on our plate. Email products and helping you guys with that is is on our plate, but it's months down the road. We're not ready to roll it. It's something we are looking at, and we've asked our agents to share with us before. Last time we talked about it, and, and I thought this was interesting, someone was using a technique that we have suggested that you use with attorneys that makes it look like official correspondence and just put regarding Arizona probate case number A742356. They said they were getting pretty good luck with that because it looked like an official... The goal of a of an email is to get it opened. You're not trying to sell yourself. You may want... Certainly, if you're, certainly if you're prospecting attorneys, you want to do that because it looks like a, an official correspondence. But I, I don't know. It may not be a bad idea to try something like that with the executors too and see if it makes them more 
inclined to open it and read it. And both of Bruce's ideas are good also. If you have some specific advice or a pain point that you can address, mistakes that people make could be not posting a trespassing sign, not getting vacant insurance, and I don't know, what's the third most common one, Bruce, that people make? Probate quicksand. Yeah, getting stuck in probate yeah. quicksand. There's a good one. There's a good one. Don't get stuck in probate quicksand. I like that. So, yeah, yeah you can tell this is something we haven't really tested, so I would maybe try all the above. Yeah, back sure. to your point, Jim, that you were making about the regarding. I'm, I, I was on that call as well that week, and one of the things that they were also doing was it's regarding the estate of citing the person's name that is the decedent. And they're the PR. Uh, yep. They got to open those emails. And the the whole point is exactly that. It is, in fact, just to get them to open it and read it. And if you put that in the subject line, they will open it. They will read it if they're the PR and they look at their email. And most people who have been made a personal representative are that because they're a responsible person. They do have an email account. They do work. It may not be we give you more than one. And hopefully the one that we're giving you is theirs. And even if it's not, if it's a relative or if it's anything like that, as long as your message is one of offering assistance, you never want to lead with, I want to buy, I want to list, that's predatory. What you're looking for is to basically exactly what Bruce said, make sure you're showing empathy. And what you're looking for is, I want to help you. I have things that I can help you with, and they're without obligation. And you really need to think about the fact that your whole message there needs to be one of straight sincerity and it's got to be genuine. You've got to have value. You've got to have people at your disposal that can help them with all of the common problems. And the biggest one of those is if it's a house, it's a house that's still got the uh, property of the decedent in it. And that's the hardest thing to deal with in most cases, unless in fact the person is a hoarder and that's even harder, but it's still the, the property of the uh, decedent. So those are the kind of things you have to lead with. But I, I would not hesitate to do the uh, regarding the estate of and uh, call the person out by name. That's nothing going to get their attention more than that. That's good. I think that's a great the idea. I just want to say that if I saw an email and I'm the personal representative with the subject line, I don't know if you mentioned this, with their name on it, such as executor and then colon, you know, then there's my name, you know, and, and then it's and then comma regarding case. If I my name's there as well as the probate case number and the decedent's name, I am definitely opening that. I would definitely not be pressing delete on that. Yep. And I think that yep. the other thing that we said is also correct. I think what you need to do is probably test a little bit. I've always I'm always a fan of something that's simple because remember if you put all that in it and they're looking at it on their their mobile phone, they're not going to see a big long subject line. They're going to see a few characters. Look at it on your phone, see what, and make sure that whatever you fit and you deliver gets popped into that size, the amount, that amount of characters. That's critical because I don't know about you, but today I use my phone probably to scan and determine if I really need to get at something until I'm at my desk. But 99% of everything I look at, I, I filter through my phone to start with. And more and more, that's the case. So keep it small, keep it short, and, and to the point. Yep. Fantastic. So here's uh, the last thing I'm going to give you, Michael, is this is just general good technique and email when you have a real estate business, especially if you're doing any kind of a drip sequence of emails. 
you want to go ahead and a lot of those, and I might not do this on the regarding probate case this or re regarding this probate case, but all the other emails you're sending, I would hyphen with your name at the end of the subject line on as many of those as possible. I learned that years ago, I would prospect people that I'd been emailing and I'd call and I'd say my name and they'd say who. And I'd be like, I know you've been opening my emails for the last year because I'm tracking this. You've been opening my emails, but you don't know me. And that all changed the day that I started putting a hyphen with my name in the subject line. And then I started calling people that I'd never spoken with before. And I'd mention my name and they'd go, oh, yeah, I know who you are. So anytime you can get your name in the subject line without making it too long of a subject line, it's going to be just a, another brand touch, even if they don't open the email. Okay, so you would use your name rather than the hyphen and say the your town family transitions name or anything like that? You'd rather have uh, your, uh, your personal name from yeah. Michael Baldwin. What about if you're an established investor? I, I, I got to believe, and I've experienced it, people will research, oh, and then you, they're not going to talk to me because they just only think, oh, there's this house buying guy. I, I'm just looking. I think that ultimately we could guess their motives and what they're thinking all day long. And some people you're going to be absolutely correct on. But any time that I give them a marketing or a prospecting touch, I want them to hear my name because there's going to come a point when they need service and I want them to know my name. And so that's why I'm putting my personal name and email subject lines. That's why I'm putting uh, my name into voice messages. Anytime I can deliver my personal name, I'm going to do it because I need them to know who I am when they're ready. They might not know all my services. They might not have opened my emails, but at least they've seen my name. Great, great. And this is with this is not with a subject line having to do with probate file number, correct? I probably wouldn't do it on that subject line. I would do it okay. on more of the marketing, the, the general marketing related subject subject lines in those emails. All right. Super. I just remember one other thing. You're talking about the probate file number and you've said that a couple of times. And I will say that in my opinion, the person's name for whom they are the the executor is going to get their attention more than probate file name. From a terminology standpoint, if they see Joe Bob Smith in an email subject line and they know they're responsible for Joe Bob, that's going to jump off the page at them. And that's if you put the words idea. probate Joe Bob Smith, somehow get that into that short email subject line, it's going to get it open. That's fantastic. All you guys are giving such fantastic, genius ideas. I really appreciate it. And Bruce, you speaking with you on those coaching calls is really valuable to me. So I want to thank you. Just one add, added thing. Once you guys start upgrading the CRM or whatever, you have a tab that says contact history. There's There should be some way you can select something that you're emailing them. So that would be also part of the contact history rather than the only way to mention you're emailing them is not through a drop down, but through a add a note thing. And of course, you do that. And if you go to contact history, it will not come up as your when you when is the last time you emailed them or something. So just an idea. Other than that, thanks again, guys. Hey, I made a note of that. Thank you. That's great. Perfect. Thanks, Michael. Hi. I figured Jim? since no one else was in the queue, I would jump in again. Sorry. Yes, please. Yes. All right. Great. So I'm in the process of ordering a brochure and some business cards. And I am an investor, but I am also a licensed real estate agent. And I'm trying to figure out how to disclose that I am a real estate agent on the marketing materials, but in a way that it doesn't scream that I'm a real estate agent. So I put that at the at the bottom of any 
letter or brochure that I'm sending just in a footer section. I don't gray it out. I don't try to completely hide it, but I'm also not drawing attention to it. And and I do want you to know that occasionally I'm going to send a letter or a brochure or something where I am intentionally drawing attention to the fact that I'm a real estate agent. But most of the time, I'm not pushing that pushing that out to the front front and center on the page. I'll just put it in the little footer at the bottom and I'll make it a slightly um, lighter shade of gray so that so that they pay more attention to the message in the body of that brochure or letter. Okay. And then because it's marketing material, I should just follow my state's guidelines on what is that exactly required on it, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. Yep. Perfect. That's it. Thank you. All right, perfect. Great timing, guys. Last up is phone number ending in nine nine four two. You're up. You're up last. Yeah. Hi. I think it's a simple question, but I'd just like some advice. I see a lot of leads that you provide to me that it's either a husband or a wife that has passed away, and the husband or wife is still living in the house. How do you uh, address that? Sure. And that's not Bruce. Takes all the simple questions. Go ahead, Bruce. I don't want to step on your toes. We're supposed to have internal communications where we're not stepping on each other. I pay. So the husband, wife, a lot. I work with a lot of people who decide not to immediately pursue the surviving spouse. And I do believe that's a mistake because the spouse is very frequently still going to sell. And we make the mistake of thinking that it's the spouse that's making the surviving spouse that's truly making the decision. If they're an elderly couple, a lot of times they have kids that are really driving that bus on what they're eventually going to do. So number one is we need to be calling all the numbers on the list. That's a no-brainer. We tell you to do that anyway, but you really want to do it on the surviving spouses because you might be catching family members and children that are the ones that are putting pressure on um, mom or dad to move to assisted living, to move in with them. So those houses are going to be sold. They might take a little bit longer than your average probate to sell the real estate, but a lot of times they are. And I can tell you because I work with you guys and I hear the number of people that don't call surviving spouses, I can tell you that your competition is bottomed out on surviving spouses. Ultimately, when you really get into a phone call like that, you want to describe the experience and not push your services. So I'm usually going in and describing what, what a lot of the surviving spouses are going through. I know that there's a lot of emotions that go into go into the process of probating an estate and figuring out who's going to get what. I know that you're probably dealing with lawyers and banks and debts and insurances. I know that you're probably having to take care of this house that you had help with at one point by yourself. And then you're just going to ask them after you describe some basic experiences and don't quote what I just said, make it your own. You're just going to ask someone if that sound synonymous or similar to their experience, that is where your conversation starts. It doesn't start around all the things that you want to come over to their house and show them how you can do. And they're probably not really wanting that yet. They just want to know and feel understood. So when you call them, make them feel understood by saying a lot of the people that I work with are going through this and this. And that should kickstart the conversation and kickstart the relationship. And if you find out that they're probably going to have to sell, by all means, 
set an appointment. But otherwise, it's just a little bit of a longer nurturing relationship, and they really do appreciate it. We call surviving spouses all the time, and they're not angry. Yes, they're sad, but we're not pushing ourselves as car salesmen or, let me say, sleazy salespeople on that surviving spouse. We're really um, going in with a softer approach and describing some of the job that they have on their plate and asking them if it sounds familiar. Yep. And what I would add to that, I would put virtually 100% of them in my sphere of influence and just check with them every month or every few months. And just a friendly follow-up call. Hey, hey, Susie, we spoke a few months ago. I checked to see if you need any help and hope you don't mind. I'm just checking back to make sure everything's okay. Is there anything I can help you with? Just make them your sphere of influence because they are, vast majority of them are going to do something. And at the time, they're probably in denial. If it's a single, I don't know this is going to sound sexist, but if it's a single woman or her husband does the yard work and cleans the gutters and does the, is used to the handyman role, in my family, that'd be my wife. So she's handier than I am. But one of the spouse, spouses had a function that's lost now. And that surviving spouse may not realize it a month or two or three months later, but six months later, they start to realize that this big house is more than they need. It's more than they can handle or want to handle. So even if they're even if they aren't getting the pressure from the kids, which they normally are, a vast majority of them are going to come to that decision to sell. And you just want to have them like a past client in your sphere of influence. So talk to them occasionally. I don't know. Use your own judgment. If you think they're going to sell in a year, I'd call them every couple three months. If you think they're going to sell in six months, I'd probably call them once a month and just do that follow up call to see if anything's changed and just be real. Tread lightly, but be as helpful as possible, Bruce said. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Another call, question quick that came up while you were talking about these people with emails. Do you have email templates? Not yet. Coming uh, that's, attraction. That's on me. Coming attraction. We no, are no, working no, on it. But it, Yeah, no, we don't right now. We've asked, uh, matter of fact, it's a good opportunity to ask again. If any of y'all are doing well with emails, please share with us because that's how we get some of our best ideas. It's something that we haven't really worked on or tested yet. But if you have a successful email, something that's working for you, let us know, please. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you. Uh, another great call that ends right on time. want to end this call like I always do. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. want to particularly thank those who actively participated. I want to challenge each of you, take one thought, one idea, one thing that inspired you on this call, Go out and put it into practice and come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Have a great week, guys. Stay safe, stay productive, and we will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care, everybody.